Oh, oh Lord, we know that this is your word. We know that it's completely true and we know that it's given in love. So speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. For it is in the name of your Son, our precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and by the power of the Holy Spirit that we pray. Amen. Has anybody else in here ever lost their keys? Any? Anyone? Thank you, Bob. Okay, me and Bob. How about this? I'm kind of looking around the room. I'm seeing people, you know, kind of some my age, close to it. Have you ever found yourself standing in front of an open refrigerator and couldn't remember why you're there? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Again, me and one other person. Gone upstairs. Can't remember why you went up there, what you went up there to get. Yeah, yeah. How about this one? Have you ever been filling out an application for a job or some product or something like that, and you were just like, I do not understand what I am reading. I have no idea. I don't even know what these words mean. Do I fill up? Do I fill up does my signature go above the gray box or below the gray box? <laughs> I don't know how many forms. I hate, I hate filling out forms. It feels like a test to me, like, a, like, an, like another exam. How about this? Have you ever just been, how many of you have ever been like lost in the woods? Ever been just lost in the woods camping or something like that? Okay, maybe not in the woods. How about in town? You just got, you, you, and, and you find that. How many of you still have lived here your whole life and still use Apple Maps or Siri or Google? Absolutely. We've, we've been here six years and I still use that. Now, and I'm not talking about to come to your house where I've never been. I'm talking about to get to my house from here. Um, how about, have you ever been, you know, have you ever been in an airport and you were not sure, you've, you've, have, you ever, have you ever been like trying to get somewhere in an airport and you pulled one of these because you know you must have passed your gate because it couldn't possibly be this far? Or how about this? Have you ever just felt lost because you've got kids and something comes up and you just were not prepared for it? You have no idea what to do. There's no playbook you, you know, it never happened to you, so you have no idea of what this looks like, what this feels like, or anything from their perspective or yours, and you're just, you're just kind of lost. You know, don't you, don't you hate that feeling of lostness, of just being, you know, whether it's your keys, or whether you're in the wrong place, or you're there on the wrong day, or the, or the procedure's too complicated, or, or this is an unfamiliar time, or, or whatever it is. You, you feel like you've lost your place. You've, you've lost something. You know, when I lose my key, I never find my keys. I can never find my keys. Morgan has to find my keys. I don't know. I begin to think that she's hiding them because she always knows where they are. But but the fact is, I mean, that feeling of lostness, that lostness of purpose. And I mean, I said it in a kind of a joking way. You're, you're standing in front of the refrigerator. Why am I here? What, did I want a popsicle? Was it the water? What did I want? You know, why, you know, what am I doing here? Ever felt just sort of lost in that moment? If you've ever felt lost, raise your hand. Yeah. How'd you get out of that lostness? Well, for me, most of the time I get found is because somebody finds me. Because there's somebody who comes along to help me move away from or into the place I need to be. Helps me find that thing that I can't find. Helps me think through or understand what it is that I'm not understanding. 
The feeling of lostness, of being lost, of being out of place and unaware is probably one of the most uncomfortable and terrifying experiences that you can have, especially depending on the degree of severity of it. And you know what? God knows that. God knows that there are a few things more disorienting or, or scary than being lost. And that's why he has challenged his followers to be seekers of the lost, to find lost people. The story that we've read today is a story that shows us, first of all, and I don't want us to miss this about the story that we just read. The first thing that we should learn from this story today that we read about the Ethiopian eunuch is that God loves lost people. I don't want to, I don't want to pass that too quickly. God loves lost people. He cares about lost people whether it's an Ethiopian eunuch 2,000 years ago or somebody sitting in this room right now. He cares about us no matter what way or in what way we are lost. And this story that we've just read is about how God works behind the scenes and beneath the surface to connect lost people to the people who can help them find their way. So part of the role of witness that we've been discussing for the last couple of weeks is to help, part of the role of the witness is to help lost people find their way or at least clarify their search and help them understand what they're looking for. Because maybe it's not that they just don't know where they are. Maybe they have no idea what they're even looking for. Have you ever been kind of just sitting there with your phone or your iPad or, or your computer and you're just, kind of, you're just kind of feeding random stuff into the search engine? I mean, if somebody, I mean, you know, here's the thing. Everybody's like, you got to erase, you've got to erase your search history because it might reveal something embarrassing. What if the most embarrassing thing that your search engine would reveal is that you are totally scatterbrained and you have no idea what you're looking for? I'm just, you know, I'm just typing in random nouns. Because I don't know, I don't know what I want to do this afternoon. I don't want to know what I want to do for vacation. I don't want to, I have no idea. I'm just, I'm paralyzed by it. Well, God knows that. God knows that that is unnerving and not just on a superficial level, but on a, on a deep and powerful level. So part of the role of the witness is to help lost people find their way, or at least to help them clarify even what they're looking for. Now, the story that we've read today is about three people. It's about a man who's looking for answers. It's about a follower of Jesus Christ who can help him in his search and it's about the God who brings them together. Now, since the last passage that we read in the book of Acts, which was way back in chapter three, a lot has been happening in the story of the disciples. They were out there, they were preaching boldly. They were healing people. They were casting out demons. They were, they were seeing lives changed. They were, they were drawing people to them. Thousands of people were coming to them. All kinds of incredible stuff was happening to them. But you know what? It was attracting a lot of attention. And the more attention that they got, the more opposition they incurred. The more people joined them, the more threatened the leaders, the temple leaders, the, the political leaders, the more threatened all of those people got. And so even though they were preaching boldly a life of peace and all that kind of thing, even though they were healing people with miraculous power, thousands of people were being added, 
and they were starting to suffer serious persecution. Now, we might think in the story that that would really put a damper on the witness of the church, but, but here's what's happened, and this is really cool. When, when the church started to experience persecution, when people were started to be imprisoned, when, when Stephen, one of the first deacons of the church, was actually murdered and, and really brought the full meaning of martyr to the front, meaning somebody's willing to give their life for faith, when those things started to happen, of course, all those who were doing the persecuting, all those who were doing the threatening began to think, well, this is gonna be it. If we just, if we just tighten the screws, if we, just, if we just start to suffocate out this movement, then, then they'll shut up and they'll be, you know, and th this thing will die a natural death. Well, that didn't happen. Instead, what happened was that when, when they started to press down on the church, the church scattered. And instead of shutting down the gospel, it spread started to spread. Have you ever noticed that like, if you ever, how many of you ever have kids and they've ever brought home a glitter project? <laughs> you know, as long as glitter stays in the bottle, you can have a whole lot of it, but it's, it's fine, it's safe. But what happens as soon as they put it on a project? It gets everywhere and you can't get it out. It's, it's out there. You cannot unglitter a room or a carpet or anything like that. Well, the glitter, the glory of God was getting out all over the world. And we see Philip, another one of these early church leaders, going out into the land of Samaria, which is one of the places Jesus said, I'm going to be sending you. And he went out into this place. This is what we discover about Philip. He was one of the early deacons. He was a leader in the church. Acts chapter 8 says, now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. And Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And so, so what we see in this story, what we're about to find out is that while the people of God, while the apostles were working, so was God. He was working behind the scenes. When the early Christians were being hounded out of Jerusalem, God sent them to spread the truth to other areas. And God, the Holy Spirit, well, he was going before them. He was stirring people. He was preparing people. He was awakening seeds long ago planted. And while, while Philip was out preaching, an angel of the Lord came to him, literally an angel means a messenger of God, came to him and told him to start just heading down the road to Gaza. Now Gaza was the last watering place. It was the last Bucky's before you get to Houston. It's the last place to get fuel. And I mean, it's the last, last place I'm going to stop anyway. I mean, it's the, it was the last place to get your supplies, all that kind of stuff. Gaza was the last watering place before the desert on the road from Jerusalem to Egypt. Now, the messenger of God, the angel, didn't tell him why he was going to go or what was going to happen. He said, just start heading down the road. And as he was heading down the road, Philip met a man identified in our story as an Ethiopian eunuch. Now, I'm not going to get into what that all means right now, but... This is a man who was described as a high official in the court of the queen of Ethiopia of Africa. And the story tells us that this man had recently been in Jerusalem to worship. Now that means that this man was, what may, was one of those people that the Bible sometimes refers to as a God-fearer. And what that means is somebody who's interested in the God of Israel, interested in the scriptures of Israel, interested in the prophecies of Israel, but is not an ethnic Jew and is not quite ready to commit and go all the way and, and fully convert. This is somebody who really likes and is interested in what he's hearing, 
but he's just not quite there yet. And that's why, as he was traveling, it's, it's because he was one of these god fears. that's why, as he was traveling in his chariot, he was reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Now, here's an interesting cultural and historical footnote. Philip, as he's coming down the road, he didn't just see him reading. He heard him reading. And that's because in those days, people didn't just read quietly. They read out loud. That's, you know, the, the whole idea of reading to yourself, reading silently, that's, that's much more of a, a modern evolution or much more of a, a more recent con, uh, historical evolution. When people used to read, they used to read out loud. That was just assumed that that was the way you're going to do that. And what's interesting is not only that he was reading the Hebrew scripture, but, they, but that he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And not just any part of Isaiah. He was into the part of Isaiah that talks about the coming of God's Messiah and the restoration of Israel. In other words, this was a part about Jesus. But even more, in Isaiah 56, the, promise prof, excuse me, the, the prophet makes a promise to eunuchs, to people like this man. This is a servant who cannot have children. And what this passage says is that there is a blessing and a heritage even better than children. And so the, the, the sort of the summary of this passage is that Jesus promises more than a legacy. He promises eternity to people. Now we can go a lot deeper into that study, but I want to bring us back to this, to this story. This man is reading this passage and he was searching and he was reading and he's trying to understand because here's his situation. Even though he was rich and powerful, there's something missing in his life. And he was reading Isaiah. And he could tell that there was something there, but he just couldn't figure it out. I mean, have you ever had that feeling? Where, where you feel like you're close to it. Whatever it is, you feel like you're close to it, but you just can't get there. That's where he was. So here he is, reading in his chariot, trying to figure out what's going on, hoping that this book will give him some direction and some kind of answers in his life and help him find what he's looking for. So then here comes Philip. God had sent Philip to this place out in the middle of nowhere, out in the desert. But up to this point, Philip didn't know why. And then God we discover that God has set up this appointment. And what, what does the story teach us about being a witness? First of all, it teaches us that, that the Lord goes before us and he sets up appointments. The God, Lord goes before us and is working ahead of us. So if you're going to be a witness, if you're a witness of Jesus Christ, just know that God's already working out there. He's already making appointments for you. What this passage also teaches us is that if we're going to be God's witnesses, we also need to remember that a witness has to have the courage to be open. Because he's out there, he's gone where God's told him to go, but now he has to be open to what God's going to do in this moment. So let's take a look at what happens. There's seven ways. I know that's like, oh gosh, a seven-point sermon. Yes, here we go. I actually only had five, but seven's a holy number. I had to make up two more. So there's seven ways that Philip was open to God, and I really want you to hear these. It's seven ways that he was open to being a witness in this story. 
First of all, the first thing, if you want to be a witness, if we want to be a witness of Christ, we have to do what Philip did, and that he had an open schedule. Now, wait a minute. He had an open schedule, and he rose and went. The, the messenger came to him and said, I want you to go, and he rose and went. This is about availability. Do I have the time to help people? How available am I for God's work? You know, how many of us feel like we don't have the time for God, or we don't have the time for his people, the people that he may want us to meet? I mean, I, sure, I'd love to be a witness for God, but I, God, I got this thing. I, I am slammed. I am booked. I just don't have time. Well, here's what Philip did. He was open. He was available. Beloved, if we want to be witnesses of Jesus Christ, one of the things we need to do is we need to start putting some margin in our lives so that we can actually make time for the people that God may want us to meet. People who are lost and looking for help. So here's a question I want you to ask. Am I available? Do I have the freedom to be flexible about time? Second thing that he had, in addition to an open schedule, Philip had an open heart. An open schedule is about availability. This is about love. Verse 29 says, and the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. And I love the next phrase, so Philip ran to him. So Philip ran to him. I mean, he didn't, Philip didn't, didn't hear, didn't see this, didn't hear the spirit and just kind of kind of mosey over or kind of, it's like, hey, you know, looks like you got a flat there. You know, it's like, is this the, you know, is this the 33 model, Jared? No, he didn't. He saw what was, or heard what was going on and he ran to him. I love that because this is all about love. Do we have an open heart that runs to lost people? Are we just willing to let them stay lost? Do we have a heart that runs to, open, to, to lost people? You know, really, this is about love. It's about caring more about God's people than I care about my stuff going on. If I'm going to be a witness, I need, to, I need to learn to run to people, not just to begrudgingly slink over to people or move to them because I feel guilty about it, but to, but to really appreciate the fact that this is somebody who, who's lost and needs some help. Third, in addition to an open schedule and an open heart, he had open eyes and ears. So Philip ran to him, and he heard him reading Isaiah the prophet. This is about awareness. Look at what this also says. Philip met him in a desert place. Philip saw and heard what was going on with this guy. Why? Because, because he had his eyes and his ears open. He was aware. He was paying attention to the people around him. First of all, I mean, I mean what better metaphor? He's in a desert place. Have, has anybody here ever been in a desert place? A barren wasteland? You felt like, oh man, I'm in the desert. I'm in a barren wasteland of my life. You felt like you were in a, you know, substitute the word pit, valley, dark place, whatever it is. Now, Philip knew that he was there because this guy, I mean, first of all, in the desert, there are no distractions, really. I mean, it was just, you know, just them. 
but he was aware that this guy was reading the prophet Isaiah. He was aware that this guy was looking for something. He was aware that this guy was frustrated. He was aware that there was something going on in this guy's life and that God had put him there for a reason. And he put those two things together. He said, you know what? There's something about this. I, I can't just ignore this. It stirred something in him. He said, I, I've got to go do something about this. And the Ethiopian's in this desert place. And that's not just about his location. This is about his condition. You know, are we listening to the words that people are saying around us? Are we paying attention to their expressions, to the weight they're carrying, to the stress they're undergoing? Are we paying attention to that stuff? Are our eyes and our ears open? Are we listening for their questions? And we've got to have open eyes and ears if we want to be witnesses. Number four, he had an open spirit. This is about commitment. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. You know, what, what God's doing here is, is he's saying, this is, you know, Philip, this isn't just a traveler. And yeah, I mean, you know, this, guy is, this guy is wealthy. He is powerful. He is somebody important. But you know what? I put you and him together today and you're the one who's gonna make the difference. I want you to go join him. This is a God moment. The God of heaven and earth has set this thing up. And what I love about this is Philip went over to the chariot. He committed. He didn't just shout at this guy from a distance and he didn't just go over to the chariot. When he got to the chariot, the eunuch invited him to come and sit in the chariot with him. You know, I, 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 if you ever get lost in town and you can't, you, know, you can't figure out where to go, you do not want me to, you don't want to call me and ask me to give you directions over the phone. I am terrible at giving directions because I, I don't think like that. I don't think in terms of like street signs and mileage and stuff like that. I, I, you know, I, but I rarely get lost because I'm all about landmarks and presence. I can get you there, but I'm gonna have to get in the car with you or you're gonna have to follow me, okay? So often what we wanna do is when people are lost, we wanna say, oh, well, let me refer you to this website. Let me give you this track to read. Let me give you a book. And what they need is somebody who's gonna commit to them and say, you know what, I'm gonna get in the chariot with you. Or, or at least stay hot on my six because I'm gonna start moving and I'll lead you there. But what God is saying is that, is that Philip as a witness, was willing to get in the chariot with this man. He was willing to make the commitment. He was willing to step into that God moment and click in, buckle up, and get into this guy's journey with him. The next thing he had, and I love this part about the story. The next thing he had after an open spirit is he had an open mouth. This is about interpretation and, and understanding. And I want you to notice this. Philip doesn't say, this is what you need to know. Let me tell you what you're doing wrong. And what does he do? He asks a question. You understand what you're reading. 
Do you understand what you're reading? I love that Philip doesn't, doesn't embrace this guy with a, with a dictum or with advice, unsolicited advice. He, he asks him a question. Do you re- understand what you're reading? In other words, in this moment, while you're struggling with this, do you understand what God might be doing right now? Are you open to hear what God might be doing right now? And you know what? That was the perfect thing because the Ethiopian says, how can, I, how can I understand unless someone guides me? He was curious. He was searching. Philip is there to start explaining it. Now, he was curious. He was desperate to help for understanding. And Philip actually steps up to the challenge because he could have easily said, well, you know, I don't know anything. But he didn't do that. Instead, Philip led him and gave him an explanation, gave him an understanding of what he was actually reading. When God moments happen, they're scary, they're strange, they're weird, nobody knows. I mean, there may be somebody in this room right now who's hearing some of this, something's happening on the inside, they aren't sure why it's happening, they've been frustrated, they've been lost, they've been, they've been confused, they've been, you know, whatever, and they're like, why is this happening? They don't need somebody to come along and say, yeah, man, you're in tough luck here. They need somebody to say, here's what might be happening. How can I help you? How can I help you understand this a little bit better? You know, so so often we we get sort of mute when it comes to actually sharing what we do know as, as followers of Jesus Christ. Here's, here's the thing. As disciples, as followers of Jesus Christ, we can never claim to know everything, but we do have to go public with what we do know. That God loves you. That God has a plan and purpose for your life. That God has a power to make a difference in your life. We have to go public with those things that we do know. You know, people love to quote St. Francis of Assisi who said, he said, proclaim the gospel wherever you go. And when necessary, use words. That's great. That's a great bumper sticker. That's a great t-shirt. But you know what? If faith without works works is dead, then faith without words is mute. And people won't understand the promises that God has for them. The good news is something we have to communicate to them. So do we have, you know, do we have the courage to actually open our mouths and say, let me see if I can help you with this. Six, he had an open mind. I mean, I love this. This is about radical grace. I want you to look at this. Think about this person. This Ethiopian is a foreigner. The Jews of Philip's time were not naturally open to foreigners. But also consider this. He was a eunuch. I mean, I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hands, but if you, do you know what a eunuch is? I'm not gonna explain it right now. Go look it up, go Google it, all that kind of stuff. That's, that's, no, don't do that. Um, <laughs> anyway, this has to do with this, this guy's, I mean, basically this, this man had been emasculated. But, you know, I, as I think about how relevant the Bible is, I mean, this is a passage about a man who was lost, who was trying to figure out what's going on. And, and you know, at the heart of this story is a man who's wrestling with, you know, gender, identity, sexuality, all that kind of stuff. Is that not a word to our age? You know, and I know, I know, I know what a lot of you are thinking. It's like, wow, that's weird. That's different. I, I can't handle that stuff. I can't, I don't want to talk about that kind of thing. But here's the thing. Radical grace implies that, that he's willing, that Philip is willing to, to talk to this guy. 
listen to this guy, to understand that this guy's hurting, that this guy's lost. He's trying to figure things out. And it doesn't matter how out there his problems may be, how, how outside the playbook they may be. He's still been sent there by God for an appointment with this man. You know, we have people who are struggling with stuff that we've never prepared for. Are we willing to show people the radical grace to say, you know what, this is all new to me, let's talk. Let's, let's work through this. You may know somebody who's suffering through, stuff, through something that just feels so far out of your boundaries and comfort zone. Are you willing to let God lead you through and into that situation? Finally, he again, he had open arms. I love it that this particular story ends with baptism. What does that mean? It means that when this man realized that he wanted, that, that he wanted to become a Jesus follower, he decided, you know what? I wanna, I wanna be baptized. Now, what does that mean? It means that when, you know, he may not have known what that meant, but Philip did. It means that we're gonna make you part of the family. That means that this person, you know, the people that we're called to meet as witnesses, they're not just projects. They're people. They're not just numbers. If we're gonna witness to them, then we have to be ready to make them part of the family. You know, we could say that he's opening the door because this is about adoption. And Philip commanded the chariot, excuse me, the eunuch commanded the chariot to stop and they both went down into the water and Philip and the eunuch and he baptized him. This is about opening the door of relationship. I mean, here's a man who's being adopted by God, but he also needs to be adopted by us. It's not enough for us to call him, you know, convert. We need to call him friend. If God's gonna call him son, we need to call him brother. It's part of our witness. Are we willing to have those open arms where we embrace these people who were once lost or who are still figuring it out? Are we willing to embrace them as members of the body, as members of the family? Open arms. So here's something I want you to hear today. And I know this is long, but whether you're here for the first time today or whether you're here every Sunday, whether you are a newcomer or a longtime disciple, I want you to understand that neither of you are here by accident. Neither the witness nor the person who is lost. You see, God gave us a mission as witnesses because there are people out there and right now there are people in here that he loves and who, want and who need to hear his good news. There is no accident. There is no random meeting. God loved this Ethiopian and could not wait for this child who he loved and lived such a long way from here when Jesus lived, when Jesus walked, when he taught, he wanted this child of his to hear what Jesus had done. Now, the story doesn't tell us his name, but God knew his name. And God loved him. And God had a plan and purpose for his life. And we don't know what his specific mission was, but here's what we do know. We do know that after this man, after the period of this man, a huge, a strong Christian community developed in Ethiopia. I'm not saying anything, but I mean, look. Think he had anything to do with that? And I want you to see too that not even the location of this story is an accident. Philip and this man 
this Ethiopian are directed to the one blinking water hole in the desert big enough for baptism. None of this is an accident. And so there are a couple things I want to say to two different groups in here. First of all, a word to the witness, that is, those of us who are already Jesus followers, who are called to be witnesses of Jesus Christ. God sets up the meetings. He sets up the appointments. And if you may think, oh, good, I'll just wait for him to do that. He's already done it. God has already set up people, has already set up appointments. And the, the truth is, we just need to keep the appointment. Now, we may keep the appointment. We may both show up in the same room, but the question is, do we have open arms, open mouths, open ears, open eyes, all those things? It's not enough just to show up. Are we ready for what God might do in this appointment? I mean, here's a guy searching for the truth. He was already looking for God. His curiosity was piqued. God had directed him to Isaiah. He'd gotten him to Jerusalem. He'd gotten him all the way to Philip. God had already done all the work. All Philip had to do was open up to him. All Philip had to do was be open to him. What are we waiting for? Who do you have an appointment with today? If you are a Jesus follower, I'm going to make an invitation. I'm going to make a challenge to you. There's someone in this room today who needs you to be open. There's somebody in your week this week who needs you to be open. Who needs you to get into their chariot with them. To open up your mouth, to open up your arms, to open up your heart, open your eyes, open your ears. There's somebody there. And what I want you to do today is, beloved, if, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I want you to do this. I want you to, I want you to pray. That's, and you may think that's not a big deal, but I want you to pray that, that God would would open your eyes and ears to that appointment this week. And you know, I, I think that's powerful. If you'll pray, God will do it. He will bring those people into your life, that person in your life with whom he's already planning this appointment. But I want you to pray today. I want you to have the courage to pray. Not only that he would set up the appointment for you this week, but that you would have the courage to keep it. Lord, Open me up to my appointment. But I know that some of y'all in here are not in that position. Maybe you're not a follower of Jesus Christ yet. I've also got an invitation for you today. And the invitation is this. If you are at all lost, frustrated, bored, got that one covered, been preaching for a long time. Lost, frustrated, you know, confused, turned around, any of that stuff, if you've got any of that stuff going on right now, you're not here by accident. God has put you in this place today. He's either put you in this place to answer your questions or to pique your curiosity. And what I want to invite you to do is I want to, I want to invite you to do something, maybe something you've never done seriously. Maybe you have. I don't know. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't mean to judge. But I want to invite you to pray something too. I want to invite you to pray that God would reveal himself to you. I know there's somebody in this room who has been hoping 
that God might show them a sign, that God might give them some kind of indication, God might give them some kind of clue or direction, and, and you've just never thought that you could ask him for it. But here's what I'm inviting you to do. I'm confident that if you pray and you ask God to just show you something or lead you somehow, he will do it. So here's what I'm gonna invite you to do. If you're not a Jesus follower, if you don't know what I'm talking about, if you never even thought about it, if you're at all lost, I want you to pray a prayer with me right now. And I'm gonna ask everybody if you would please bow your heads because I know we're lost. I know we need it. And so I'm gonna ask you to pray this word with me, this prayer with me. It's really, not, it's really not a threatening prayer. As a matter of fact, it's almost a cynical prayer, but I'm, I dare you to pray it with me. Say these words with me. God, if you exist, and I don't know if you do, and if you can hear this prayer, and I don't know if you can, I wanna tell you that I'm an honest seeker of the truth. I'm an honest seeker of your help. And if you will show me that Jesus is your son and the savior of the world, and if you bring conviction to my mind, I will trust him as my savior and follow him as my Lord. Amen. St. Augustine once said, O Lord, you have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. I know that if you're restless, if you're lost, you're gonna find what you need in him. Amen.